なも妙法蓮華経なも妙法蓮華経なも妙法蓮華経はい、friends I hope this finds you in good health and secure I was just noticing this morning the stitching giving way on my robe again time to take it indoors and do some mending ah, the, the work <laughs> we are Starting chapter two, the Holman chapter, the chapter <clears throat> that we, <clears throat> excuse me, that we recite firstly in Gangyo, right? Now you might ask, why this particular chapter? Why does、uh, Nichiren、uh, indicate that this should be, this and the 16th chapter should be the, <clears throat> the,、um, Most、uh, efficacious gongyo.、Uh, if you're not going to read the whole book, and who has time these days? Well, I do. But, <laughs> but、uh, certainly, if you're holding on a job and, and all of that, right, doing、uh, two chapters completely, the A, B, and C section, which not everyone does, and plenty of daimoku. And the meditations, well, it takes a little while till you get really fluent at it. It still takes time, right? But so, why Hoban and Juryo chapters? Why those? Well, in the first part of the Lotus Sutra, a lot of the teaching for the first nine chapters is really about, certainly from the second to the ninth chapter, very focused on tactful. Means tactful、uh, discourse, right? Expedient devices, skillful means, called many different things. But <clears throat> the bottom line is, as、uh, we read constantly, is attaining the Dharanis, in other words, skillful ways of introducing the many aspects of the Dharma teaching. Uh, with regard to, not because you're flexing, but because you're trying to address the particular mindset, the particular、uh, person who's developing the path to Buddhahood,、uh, their obstacles, what they perceive as their obstacles. And there are so many parables, so many stories in the sutras to choose from that will. Apply or become familiar to those struggling with certain aspects of what it means to do this Buddhist, Buddhist practice. Yeah. Now, a lot, if not most, of what we hear from Nichiren regards talking to other Buddhists. Not people who know nothing about Buddhism, but people, I mean, in Japan, in medieval Japan, everybody was. Very well、uh, versed in some school of Buddhism. yeah. Certainly throughout all of Asia, this has always been the case. you know, Until the huge missionary pushes of the Christian and、uh, Islam and, and those religions, <clears throat> not to mention the ones that were inculcated from ancient India. Loads of magical, mystical.、Um, Gods and, and deities and all sorts of things and,、uh, in Hindu history, yeah? 
So Buddhism stands apart from all of that. And uh, even within Buddhism, and the Lotus Sutra does focus on Buddhist study, because by that time, everyone Shakyamuni was discussing Buddhism with was highly inculcated into his teachings. But as I've said before, even for 40-some years, <clears throat> his students were still hanging on to this idea that Buddha was a person. That even if they understood Buddha-ness being something they could cultivate in their mind, they still, still believed it had to be given to them by a Buddha. Or, if not that, that they would have to practice for multiple lifetimes, right? Afterlife, reincarnation, all that crap. That's not Buddhism. From the get-go, it wasn't Buddhism. But students will hang on to the mythologies that they want to hang on to. So as a compassionate teacher, Shakyamuni just kept teaching, hoping that at some point, as they increased their insights, that they would realize for themselves, oh, that's, that's foolish, I can't think that way anymore. But it wasn't happening. And he was getting older. So in the Lotus Sutra, that's it. I'm through screwing around. I've, I've been teaching impermanence. I've been teaching emptiness. I've been teaching uh, anatman, non-self, non-soul. And still, they don't seem to get it. I can't die knowing that they don't make that last detachment from the Saha world with their samsaric ideation. They've got to know that it doesn't come from anywhere else but their own existence. They've got to get this. So this is the Lotus Sutra. It's okay, we're through fooling around. And the first chapter where Shakyamuni really confronts this is with one of the most knowledgeable, most educated, most respected Shravaka of all time, Shariputra. He's a, a, a very well-known leader of the lesser vehicles, an arhat, if you will, of the Shravaka school. And so, first leader to pick on is going to be Shariputra. He's going to take him to task. He'll go over this over and over again. And in the seventh chapter, as you know, the parable of the conjured city, he's going to make it clear to all of the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas and all of the people in the assembly, whatever stage they think they're in, that this ideal of their lifetime that they've chosen isn't the full ideal. The, the, the goal has been to instantiate Buddhahood now, in this life. How have you not gotten this? And to be specific, there, there's not three vehicles. There's not, no less, are there two? There's only one. One goal, one vehicle, one thing to do here. 
attain Buddha now. It's not going to come from anywhere else. And the Hoban chapter is where Shakyamuni begins this nailing down of the proper understanding, acceptance, right? Accept and understand this Lotus Sutra, this Myoho Rengekyo, this ability to invoke your enlightenment right now. And we'll talk more about the 16th chapter, Judo chapter, when we get to it. So the Hoban, very, 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 very fundamental to the teachings of the Lotus Sutra, right? So it's titled Tactfulness, Expedient Devices or Skillful Means. At that time, the world-honored one, rising quietly and clearly from contemplation, addressed Shariputra. So he's been in contemplation, concentration, while this conversation is going on, like this is what's going to happen here amongst the Bodhisattva Mahasattvas. And I, I, evidently what uh, Shakyamuni is doing is preparing his sermon to introduce these people to the truth that they haven't quite grasped all along. And the first person he picks out is Shariputra. He says, the wisdom of Buddhas is very profound and infinite. Yeah, okay, right? Their wisdom school is difficult to understand and difficult to enter. So that the Sharvakas and Pratyaka Buddhas cannot apprehend it. What? Right off the bat, a little smack to the head, pay attention. For what reason? Because the Buddhas have been in fellowship with countless hundred thousand myriad kodas of Buddhas, perfectly practicing the infinite law of all Buddhas, boldly and zealously advancing and making their fame universally known, perfecting the very profound, unprecedented law and teaching as opportunity served its meaning so difficult to understand. Okay, so you hear this and you think, yeah, I get all that, but obviously there's something, we're in troubled water here, or something uh, we're not getting, right? Shariputra, exclamation point. Ever since I attained Buddha, not Buddha-ness, not Buddhahood, ever since I attained Buddha, clue, with various reasonings and various parables, I have widely discoursed and taught, and by countless tactful methods, have led living beings, causing them to leave all attachments. For what reason? Well, because the Tathagata, the enlightened universal mind, is altogether perfect in his tactfulness and paramita of wisdom. Okay. We get that. We get that you're in perfection of mind. No, no, you missed it, Shariputra. Not me. 
what I attained, Buddha, that is tactfulness in Paramita. This is why I'm using a different word, Tathagata, the universal Buddha, enlightened mind. Still not getting it. Shariputta. The wisdom of the Tathagata is broad and great, profound and far-reaching. His mind, his mind, Buddha mind, is infinite. His expositions are unimpeded. His powers, his <clears throat> fearlessness, his meditations, samadhis, his emancipations, liberations, hmm. His contemplations, concentrations, insights have enabled him to enter into the boundless realms. Boundless. What do you suppose that means? Without time, without space. Boundless realms. And to accomplish all the unprecedented law. The law that does not exist as a samsaric thing. The law that the Saha world is born from. The a priori law. Not owned by anyone. Shariputra, the Tathagata, is able to perceive everything without discrimination. Remember what you hear me saying all the time? Understand that statement. You could study all day long on the, that statement. To understand everything, quote-unquote, without discrimination, it's a contradiction, isn't it? Because <clears throat> to perceive without discrimination is not to perceive things. Discriminations are identifications. And ultimately, identifications are self-reflective. We see ourselves through our reflection in our environment. As Nietzsche says, our environment is our great mirror. Not because it is a silvery-toned reflective surface, but because in actuality, atom for atom, cell to cell, our environment is of our perception, our conjuring, our mind. The fountain analogy comes to mind. Shariputra, the Tathagata, is able to perceive everything without discrimination, teach the laws skillfully, use gentle words, and cheer the hearts of all. If you understand what he's saying, Shariputra, essentially speaking, the Buddha has altogether fulfilled the infinite, boundless, unprecedented law. He's repeating himself, yeah? Enough, Shariputra. He hears himself repeating himself. There is no need to say more. After 40 years, you've heard it all, but you've misunderstood. <clears throat> For what reason? Because the law which the Buddha has perfected is the chief unprecedented law and difficult to understand. Only a Buddha, together with a Buddha, 
can fathom the reality of all existence. That is to say, the engine of life. Has such a form, such a nature, such an embodiment, such a potency, potential, such a function, such a primary cause, and such a secondary cause, such an effect, such a recompense, reward, merit, and such a complete fundamental whole. It all happens at once, moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. Right? Right? The factors, the ten factors, the ten aspects, the set, the ten. I love this word best, suchnesses. Right? Because if something's happened moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, not compounding itself. Birth, death, 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 birth, death. It's happening moment to moment. Instantiating moment to moment. To the full. This whole freight train of karma that you are instantiates and dissolves completely only to be reinstantiated immediately afterwards. So what's the difference between one moment and the other? Influences. Influences of what? The 3,000 realms. The potentials of how all of that amalgam, that freight train of karma, that freight train of tendencies and conditions is interacting. What's it interacting with? The three realms of existence. Your skandhas, your perceptions, your consciousnesses, which are being affected by the ten worlds, within the ten worlds, within the, the ten factors of the way that they instantiate into your environment and into the realm of your living beings, sentient mind. All of that happening in a fraction, fraction, tiny little fraction of a second. This is how a Buddhist can say we have agency, we have free will. But only if you're conscious, only if you're making the effort, otherwise you're just zinging along momentum through time-space until you expire. Like a blade of grass. Has no exegesis or method or consciousness to even be aware of its beingness, moment to moment to moment, only we, with sentient minds, can influence our freight train. It takes work, it takes effort. I mean, if Sariputra hadn't figured this out before, it must be knocking him on his butt now, don't you think? So I have an annotation here. 
the ten factors or ten suchnesses of all phenomena, not just you, the stars, the sun, the planet, everything it works this way. This is a seminal statement of the second Holbin chapter and the Lotus teaching in whole. In the book, Two Buddhas, Donald Lopez Jr. and Jacqueline Stone, in, uh, interesting uh, points are mentioned in the lineage of the statement of the Ten Factors and its interpretation by G.E., you know, Tendai, and his student Zhanran, leading eventually to Nichiren's central themes of the Lotus teachings. This statement is not extant in this exact form in any Sanskrit text. Oh, really? Although may have been pulled from some extant Sanskrit Lotus text by Kumarajiva because there were many. It is also thought that the statement, real aspects of the Dharma, quote-unquote, was common to other Kumarajiva translations and works, an insight of Kumarajivas. A Chinese translation of the, quote, treatise on the great perfection of wisdom, end quote, usually attributed to Nagarjuna, right? has a close counterpart to this list of ten aspects from the Lotus Sutra. Several scholars suggest that this statement reflects Kumarajiva's understanding. Breaking down these ten aspects into modalities and, implic uh, and implication of the Buddha's Lotus teachings, G.E. formulated a grand exploration of this teaching, culminating in the 3,000 realms or potentials and influences of each moment of thought in the mind. See the above forward that I wrote for more on this subject, yeah? Nichiren took this structure as the Ichinen Sanzen as the foundation for developing his doctrine. Hmm. At that time, the world-honored one desiring to proclaim this teaching over again spoke thus in verse, in case you didn't hear me the, again, Shariputra, let me put this in verse so you can recite it and remember it, right? Immeasurable are the world's heroes. Embracing universal realms of influence and men in the world, among all the living creatures, none can know the Buddhas. Nose is being really annoying this morning. Sorry. The Buddha's, the Buddha's powers and fearlessness, emancipations and contemplations, and the Buddha's other laws, no one is able to measure. Of long ago, I followed countless Buddhas and perfectly trod the right ways of the profound and wonderful law, which are difficult to perceive and to perform. During infinite codice of Kalpas, after pursuing all those ways, having obtained the perfect fruit on the wisdom throne, I was able to perfectly understand. He's talking about his own journey with all the Brahmins and eventually by himself for six years of contemplation under the Bodhi tree until he came to his enlightenment, right? During infinite codice uh, of Kalpas, after pursuing all those ways, having obtained the perfect fruit on the wisdom throne, I was able to perfect, perfectly to understand. 
Such great effects as these, the meaning of every nature and form, realm of realms of form, yes. I and other Buddhas in the universe alone can understand these things. In other words, you have to awaken your Buddha mind in order to really perceive what I'm talking about here. I'm not going to do it for you. You have to do this. How many ways can he say this? This law is inexpressible. It is beyond the realm of terms, words, language, right? This is just our little Saha world tool. And it's a tool developed of attachment. Attach this to that. Attach that to this. That's language. So how can you talk about unattachment with the words of attachment? You must experience it. How do you experience it? Nobody can shove it in your head. You have to do it. Among all the other living beings, none can apprehend it except the bodhisattvas who are firm in the power of resolve. If you just get your attitude right about this, single-mindedly seeking Buddha, you can perceive it. That's how in this Saha world you can attain for yourself Buddha, like I did. The disciples of all the Buddhas who have offered reverence to the Buddhas and have ended all their faults and dwell in the last bodily state, such men as these have not powers equal to such knowledge. They're not there yet. These widely respected arhats, like yourself, you haven't gotten this point. Make a little... Go fix that. Though the world were full of beings like Shariputra, it's a compliment. Shariputra is very accomplished. And if the whole world was full of people like you, Shariputra, who with utmost thought combined to measure it, they could not fathom the Buddha wisdom. Ouch. In other words, what you're doing, even if you multiplied it through all the humans on the planet, would not be enough to break through the stigma that you have. Indeed, though the universe were full of beings like Shariputra, and the rest of my, uh, the Buddha's disciples, filled the world in every quarter, who, with utmost thought combined to measure it, they also could not understand. Man, he's really slamming him hard, you realize? Some of these people have been with him for over 40 years, practicing what they thought he was talking about, and yet never realizing this, this critical point. Just waiting to be told what to do, waiting to be told they're enlightened, waiting to be told that they're going to get a special delivery today from FedEx, and it'll be Buddhaness for them. Ah, how frustrated must Shakyamuni be, Shakyamuni be at this point? He can't fool around anymore. He's going to die soon. He's old. Could die at any moment. 
Luckily, he was around for eight more years, as the story goes. Certainly, the Lotus teachings were around for a good long time. But this had to come from scholar monks who had studied and studied and studied. And f oh, we get it. Hmm? Though Prachakabuddhas of keen intelligence in their last faultless bodily stage, the way they understand it, that false nirvana teaching, yeah, also filled every direction of the universe, numerous as bamboo in the woods. If these with united mind, through infinite codice of kalpas, wished to ponder the Buddha's real wisdom, they could not know the least part. Boom! There must have been a lot of arhats in the crowd who thought, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And equally, I imagine many arhats going, oh, crap, what have we missed? Being self, being circumspect. Hmm? Though newly vowed bodhisattvas, who have revered countless Buddhas, have penetrated all meanings and can abloc ably, sorry, teach the law. Abounding as rice and hemp, bamboo and reeds, filled the world in every quarter, if with one mind by a priori wisdom, through kalpas like the sands of the Ganges, all these were to ponder together, they could not know the Buddha wisdom. Okay, okay, Shakyamuni, we're getting the picture now. <sighs> Shit. How do we get out of this? How how do we get out of this this muck that we're stuck in? Please, right? Though bodhisattvas free from falling back, numerous as the sands of the Ganges, with one mind investigated together, they too could not understand it. We got the picture. We want to know. You've spanked us enough, right? Again, I say to Shariputra, the faultless and inscrutable, profound and mysterious law I now have wholly attained. Only I know these truths, as also do the Buddhas of the universe, the Tathagata. No, Shariputra, the words of Buddhas do not differ. You're not going to get a different opinion from Buddha this or Buddha that. They're all personages of the same Tathagata. The mind should be wandering here. You mean it's not just you? But all those other Buddhas, they're emanations of you. They're imaginings of you. It's still muddy, isn't it? In the laws taught by the Buddha, you should beget great strength of resolve. For at length, after the Buddha's preparatory teachings, everything you've learned thus far, he must now proclaim the perfect truth. Better be paying attention. Because this is it. If you don't get it after this, you don't get it. Yikes. Better pay attention, yeah? Okay. I address all the Sharbakas, 
and seekers after the vehicle of Prachagabudas, those who I have freed from the bondage of suffering and those who have reached nirvana, quote-unquote. The Buddha employs his tactful powers. He shows the way by the three vehicle teachings. All beings have various attachments. He leads them to obtain escape. We know this. We've studied this a lot, haven't we? These are the skillful means. You teach to the people's capacities. But at some point, you got to believe that they're going to punch through above their weight, as you would say, right? At that time in the Great Assembly, there were Shravakas and faultless Arhats, Ajinapta, Kaundinya, and others, 1,200 in number, and Bhikshus, Bhikshunis, Upasakas, and Upasikas, who had vowed to be Shravakas and Prachagabuddhas. All these reflected thus. For what reason does the world-honored one now extol the tactful way so earnestly and say these words? <laughs> Do you not get what's happening here, folks? They're a little miffed, and they're not understanding still. The law which the Buddhas have obtained is very profound, the difficult and difficult to comprehend. That which he proclaims has a meaning so hard to understand that all the Sharvakas and Pratyakabuddhas are unable to attain it. As yet, the Buddha has declared only one principle of emancipation, and we also, obtaining this law, reach nirvana. No, you haven't. But now we do not know where this principle leads. Oh, you're confused. Well, that's not a bad state to be in, because it's opportunity, yeah? At that time, Shariputra, apprehending the doubt in the minds of the four groups, and also himself, not having mastered the meaning, spoke to the Buddha, saying, World Honored One, what is the cause and what is the reason for so earnestly extolling the paramount tactful method and the very profound mysterious law difficult to understand of the Buddhas? From of long ago, I have never heard such a discourse from the Buddha. At present, these four groups are altogether in doubt. Will the world-honored one be pleased to explain these things? Why the world-honored one extols so earnestly the very profound and mysterious law, so difficult to understand? Why now? What is it we're not getting? Then Shariputra, desiring to announce his, this meaning over again, spoke in verse. O wisdom son, great revered honored one, at length you have taught, damn, all these titles, you have taught this law and declared thyself, yourself to have obtained such powers, fearlessness and contemplations, meditations, emancipations and other inconceivable laws. About the law obtained on the wisdom throne, no one has been about to utter any question. And I find it hard to fathom the meaning, and also am unable to ask questions. I'm not even sure how to proceed now. Without being asked, the world-honored one has spoken, extolling the way the Buddha has walked, that the most mysterious wisdom is that which the Buddha's obtained. All the faultless arhats and those who are seeking nirvana 
have now fallen into nets of doubt because they're not sure now what they've achieved. You seem to be saying they're not even close. Why does the Buddha speak this way? Seekers after Pratyaka Buddha Bhud, Bhikshus and Bhikshunis, universal realms of influence, dragons and spirits, Gandharavas and other beings, scan each other in perplexity and look expectant to the honored of men. What may be the meaning of this matter? We implore the Buddha to explain. How could not this be the first chapter that we uh, recite in Gongyo? Can you see? In this assembly of Sharvakas, the Buddha says, I am the chief of the disciples, but I now, of my own wisdom, am in doubt and cannot understand whether it is the final law or is the way to progress there. The sons born of the Buddha's mouth, with folded hands, wait expectantly. Be pleased to send forth the a priori sound and now proclaim the truth as it is. Universal realms of influence, dragons, spirits, and others, numerous as the sands of the Ganges, bodhisattvas aspiring to be Buddhas, fully 80,000 in number, also from myriads of codas of countries, revered wheel-rolling kings are here with folded hands and reverent hearts desiring to hear the perfect way. At that time, the Buddha said to Shariputra, Enough, enough. There's no need to say more. I know all this. <laughs> right? If I explain this matter, all the worlds of universal realms of influence and men would be startled and perplexed. Don't know if even now you're ready, but it has to happen. Shariputra again said to the Buddha, World Honored One, be pleased to explain it. Be pleased to explain it. For what reason? Because in this assembly, there are numberless hundreds, thousands, myriads, kodas of asamkaya of living beings who have already seen the Buddhas, whose perceptions are keen and whose wisdom is clear, if they hear the Buddha's teachings, they will be able to accept it respectfully. Then Shariputra, desiring to announce this meaning over again, spoke thus in verse, King of the law, most high honored one, be pleased to explain without misgiving. In this assembly are countless beings who can respectfully accept. The Buddha again said, Enough, Shariputra. If I explain this manner, all the worlds of universal realms of influence, men and asuras, would be startled and perplexed and haughty bhikshus might fall into the great pit. Some of the monks here think they already know. And if they do that, they won't hear me and they'll just become arrogant and stubborn. Who might that be? Then Shariputra, oh, I'm sorry. Then the world-honored one again spoke in verse, Enough, enough, no need to say more. My law is subtle and inscrutable. Those who are haughty on hearing would not accept it 
respectfully. He's doubting Shariputra's commitment for all the other, right? So Shariputra, again, a third time, world honor one, be pleased to explain it. Be pleased to explain it. In this present assembly, there are equal with me hundreds of thousands of myriads of Kodas who in former lives have followed the Buddha and been transformed by him. Such men as these can certainly accept respectfully and throughout the night will peacefully rest and various ways be abundantly benefited. Then Shariputra, again in Gathas, most high and honored of the living, be pleased to explain the paramount law. I am the eldest son of the Buddha. Condescend to explain it discriminatingly. In this assembly, countless beings are able to respectfully accept this law. The Buddha already in his former lives in the past has taught such living beings. All with one mind, folding their hands, desire to hear the Buddha's words. There are 1,200 of us and others aspiring to be Buddhas. Please, be pleased for the sake of these beings to condescend to explain it discriminatingly. If these hear the law, they will beget great joy. At that time, the world-honored one addressed Shariputta. Since you have already thrice earnestly repeated your request, how can I refuse to speak? Do you now listen attentively to ponder and remember it? Hmm? I will discriminate and explain it to you. For you. When he had thus spoken in the assembly, some 5,000 bhikshus and bhikshunis, upasakas and upasikas, straight away rose from their seats. In some translated translations, they are specifically arhats, but... And saluting the Buddha, thanks so much, but we out. Isn't that exactly what Shakyamuni said? Haughty, you arrogant think you achieve what you haven't, you're just going to get up and walk out right in front of me. And Shariputra, who must have thought, oh, crap. For what reason? Because the root of error or delusion in these beings was so deep and their haughty spirit so enlarged that they imagined they had attained what they had not attained and had proved what they had not proved. In such error as this, they would not stay. And the world-honored one was silent, and he did not stop them. Why bother? Thereupon the Buddha addressed Shariputra. Now in this congregation, I am free from useless twigs and leaves. Youch. In uh, H. Kern's translation, I, I note here, the translation as, the trash is gone. And have nothing but all that are purely and true and real. It is good, Shariputta, Shariputra, that such extremely haughty ones as those are gone away. Don't need them. <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> Now I have a long annotation here, and I'm going to save it for the next video.
this uh, Hoban chapter, this second chapter. Pretty dramatic. Yeah? Can you appreciate more now when we're reciting this? I mean, people ask me all the time for, where's the translation of the Hoban chapter? Well, read that one. The second chapter in the TLK Sylvain Lotus Dharma Sutra translation, yeah? And you should get a much more lively understanding of why the Hoban chapter is so important, right? Not just the portion we recite, the entire thing. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. If you can, take a few seconds to like and subscribe. It's a Bodhisattva act. It helps promulgate uh, this resource, right? And all the free, the free podcasts, the free information on threefoldlaws.com, the bookstore, the mandala source, so on and so forth. Um, all the links are in the description. Also links to Patreon and, and PayPal uh, for those of you who can. And those of you who do, all wonderful patrons making all of this possible. Thank you so much for your Bodhisattva work. Yeah. Most importantly, do all you can to maintain the highest level of health you can. If for no other reason, to keep your practice strong, yes? The stronger your resolve, the stronger your practice, the more you revolutionize not only your own life and, and maximize your potential, right? Influence it toward its most life-affirming expression. But also... The world around you, the world at large, the world even through social media that you connect with will sense a shift in life condition, yeah? You're the one in control here. You're the one driving. If there's one fundamental message of Buddhahood or Buddhaness or Buddha practice, you're in control. Ooh. <laughs> All right, with that, I will let you go. I'll see you in the next one. Thanks again. Bye for now.